Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. As we get nearer and nearer to our American history 100, of course it'll be 100-ish, I thought maybe we could even start paying attention to where we are. It's uh, it's the end of August of 2022. <laughs> Not at time of recording, of course, however, but uh, I didn't know if there's any real life things that everybody, when are the Winter Olympics? So that when, <laughs> like, try, why don't we try to do current events, uh, but you know, 9, 10, 11 months ahead of time. We're, we're going through the show Vikings. Today we'll be talking about season five. These are, again, I hate to call them filler episodes, but we are eagerly working behind the scenes to bring you an American History 100. We're going to go through American History in chronological order, one movie at a time, starting here in just a couple months. So uh, we're getting getting excited about that as we prepare all that behind the scenes. So uh, before we get to all that, though, we are going to keep going with Vikings. And today we are on Season 5. Logan's going to be in charge of remembering what happened in the show because it's Another one of our 20-episode seasons, and I watched it well over a year ago, whereas Logan has uh, seen it within just the last uh, few weeks here. So Yeah, I, I think I finished. So seasons one and two, I watched probably a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, in relatively quick succession. And then there was like a 10-month break, and then I watched season three over the course of like a couple months. But then seasons four, five, and six, I really binged. Okay. In probably like six weeks, three seasons. Try to do it in basically before we started recording, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've watched, and, and that's why a lot of it blends together, because it's either been like a long time since I watched it, or I watched it all right next to each other. And so like the, you know, oh, was this at the end of season four, beginning of season five is kind of murky, because I was just going straight through. But I do remember all of these events probably better than you because, yeah, I just finished this whole series like a couple weeks ago. Okay, yes. So as long as you don't blend uh, six and five here together too much. But again, we we already mentioned we did that with three and four quite a bit. Yeah. So let's let's kind of do that. Let's I'll, I'll kind of give you the area to focus on here, and you kind of remind me what happened to the show, and then I kind of researched the actual people, at least as linked to in the Wikipedia page on the Viking series. Basically, it said, hey, this is the character. Here's their, their real-life proxies Wikipedia page. So... I did that research, but I don't remember what those characters did in the show. So first we're going to follow Bjorn Ironside as he goes back to the Mediterranean. He went there previously and kind of got into Moorish Spain, you know, under the control of the Muslims at the time. And he goes again. And I didn't realize when watching the show where he was exactly i guess in my mind he had made it all the way to the middle east but doing the looking just looking on the wikipedia page what characters and everything are involved it looks like he's actually in sicily and then in north africa so how does that play out and who does he meet and how how does it what does the show give us so in the show he meets uh commander euphemius in sicily okay he is in charge of sicily but he also tells bjorn about Oh, I forget the dude's name. 
Would it be Ziyadat uh, Allah? <laughs> Hopefully. That sounds correct, yeah. Well, other than my pronunciation, but it sounds like the correct character, yes. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a, a ruler in North Africa that Bjorn finds out about from Euphemius. And Euphemius is also the person who basically informs Bjorn that Rome is no longer like the center of civilization, which is interesting because by this point, the Western Roman Empire had been, you know, had fallen like 400 years ago. Yeah, that seems kind of odd that the Vikings wouldn't at least wouldn't realize that Rome wasn't no longer the whole enchilada. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, we talked about last time about how Bjorn Ironside did sack cities in Italy thinking they were Rome. So there, right. that's historic. So yeah. there would have been maybe instances of these legends and you don't realize that oh atlantis has fallen or whatever it would be yeah and he also doesn't know what the byzantine empire is until he meets euphemius that seems a little weirder though i I feel like right because i'm pretty sure there were weren't there viking attacks yes like in the byzantine empire right yeah the vikings went up river from the north even and got down to constantinople through the uh black or caspian sea i black sea i think they always get those yeah so it's and i don't know that might just that might be a thing that the show does to kind of like it's kind of like a reveal like ooh, the byzantine empire but like you should have known and of course it also just evolved like the byzantine the byzantine empire considered itself basically still the roman empire and it just kind of shifted east yeah well and also if Bjorn was finding, I mean, I know he in the show he only finds the one map, but if there were maps in France, wouldn't they show the Byzantine Empire <laughs> on it too? Like it wasn't a new thing at this time; it had been around. That no, that's a, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I'm going to say probably that I, th- I can see it being both ways. I think a lot of that is the show just kind of taking creative license as, a, as an excuse to kind of illustrate some of these things. But also, you you could kind of see that you know it's almost the it's the phone game that you kind of tell a story to a person who tells a story who tells a story and they kind of these things kind of spread it's not like you had he couldn't pull up uh, the tv and see what was happening in the byzantine empire at the time so i think it's both i think it's both probably creative license but also just how communication and information was spread at the time was very inefficient <laughs> and inaccurate right yeah <laughs> not that it's not inaccurate today anyway <laughs> but yeah so so getting back to bjorn in africa so he basically finds out that this commander Euphemius guy in Sicily is not as much of a, you know, the head honcho as he thinks. And he's actually just kind of like a puppet ruler for this uh, Ziadat Allah. Okay. And so that's why they go to Africa to meet him. And again, if you research this, please let me know if any of this is close to true. But uh, Euphemius is like, executed and they eat him oh is that what happens in the show okay i, I kind of do remember them eating someone in the show i didn't realize that was euphemius okay so let me jump in here with some of the actual stuff so this is kind of interesting okay. so uh at this time the byzantines did actually control sicily right but euphemius was actually instrumental in triggering the muslim takeover of sicily with the help of uh ziadat allah so basically euphemius okay. euphemius was a he was i mean i don't know culturally his background but his role in sicily was as a byzantine commander he was working for the byzantines basically as like a military leader on sicily and he didn't like the byzantine local governor in sicily at the time and kind of rebelled against him basically he was just kind of doing his own thing like 
doing his own raids, doing his own campaigns, really didn't care what Byzantium wanted, what the Byzantine Empire wanted. He was just kind of doing his own thing based out of Sicily, even though he was ostensibly a Byzantine commander. And so he needed some help when he's kind of on the outs with now the Byzantines. And so he recruits that help from North Africa and Ziadat Allah, and that basically then triggers the Muslim takeover of Sicily, which does take decades. His rebellion was in 826, and it was it actually took almost 80 years for the Muslims to kind of fully control Sicily, but that is what Euphemius' role was in all this. And, I mean, yeah, he did uh, end up, you know, I think dead at some point, but it wasn't anything like what you're seeing in the show. And then actually the Ziadat Allah, way smaller of a Wikipedia page, basically he was just the person in charge of Central North Africa at the time. Okay. He was definitely on board with helping helping uh, Euphemius, mostly because he was having a hard time keeping his own troops in line like they were getting kind of restless and so hey this campaign to sicily would be a great diversion to kind of help keep them in line and not a problem for me here at home that's basically it like i I don't really have much more information about him euphemius was kind of more written about it seems so kind of as they always seem to do in the show it sounds like they took the names and the rough time period and just kind of gave them to the characters in the show Unless there's more sources on uh, Ziadat Allah that go into way more depth about his uh, his role. But yeah, so those are the actual people I guess the show is dealing with. But the Euphemius is almost kind of like partly right, it sounds like, at the beginning. And then they just kind of change his demise there. Okay. And then he also has the uh, woman that's with him, Cassia. Yes, she's also real. Yes. Right. Who I... I didn't look into very much, but... What's her role in the show, though, again? Yeah. So in the show, it's basically they're like... Uh, Euphemius has her as kind of like a trophy. He basically tells the Vikings that... I I think it was like one of his raids or something. He basically kidnapped her, like abducted her. From where? Or just she was just in Sicily and he just kidnapped uh, her? I don't know if they said specifically, but it was... She speaks Greek in the show. Okay. So... She's like a she's a nun, but not she's not a Catholic nun. She's like a like a Greek Orthodox nun. Right, right. That make that would make sense as far as yeah, Orthodox or Western or Eastern Orthodox, yeah. Yeah, but I guess she is based on a a real like saint of that church. Yes, and and kind of a person who was a mix of kind of like you said, like a priest light kind of thing. So yes, uh Cassia was an actual like poet and songwriter from the Byzantine Empire at the time. And she did found a convent of which she was like the first abbess or whatever. Seems like most of everything she did, though, was just in Constantinople. So she was a contemporary probably of these guys, you know, ish within a few decades. It does look like she traveled to Italy at one point, but I couldn't find anything that talked about anything that happened while she was in Italy. So again, I think it's just a show taking this actual person whose songs uh, or hymns or whatever are still around. You can find about, I mean, I didn't actually look to find them, but I guess apparently about 50 of her hymns are still out there if you wanted to, you know, track down her poems or or music or whatever. So, and also she was kind of like the only woman whose music is, was chronicled by the Byzantine records. So, you know, they, they have the records, all these hymns and songs and stuff. And she kind of stands out as the only woman from the time who was worth making note of. So, an actual person, but again, the show just kind of used her for their own ends. But again, that's that's kind of fine. It's still kind of neat to just inter- get introduced to these people. 
that's kind of about all I have as far as those characters within the show. But how how do they close that out? I know they end up they don't stay very long. It's only a handful of episodes. Right. Yeah. So in the show, they get uh, Bjorn and Halfdan are the ones who go to meet with uh, uh, Ziadat Allah. Yes. And Ziadat Allah kills or has uh, Euphemius killed, and then they eat him. By, kind of by accident. so they're like Because well, the, the Vikings don't know, but obviously right. he knew he was yeah. feeding them to him. Yeah. So they're sitting there just kind of like eating uh, you know, this meat, and they're like, oh, this is like pretty good. And then Zeta Allah like makes a comment about how you know they're eating Euphemius, and then they're like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> and then they're there with um, Sindrik as well, who is the wanderer. And it's, he's the same wanderer, actually, that they take to Paris on their first raid. But they also take oh, Cedric yeah. along on their journey to in, in the Mediterranean. Right, he's just kind of their translator guy. Um, so looking at Euphemius' actual death, there is kind of some parallels, I guess, to the show. Not him being cannibalized, but the idea of him biting off more than he can chew and kind of being betrayed by the Arabs he recruited in the first place. That's kind of what happened. So it does look like after he got their help with Sicily... Again, he maybe wished wished he hadn't and was trying to work out a deal to maybe get them to back off. And basically, they just assassinated him at the meeting to discuss terms. So he was oh, really? he was murdered. He was murdered, but it, it doesn't mention anything about being eaten, <laughs> about being e- eaten cannibalized, eaten and fed to Vikings. And then, and then so obviously, <laughs> even though we did talk about you know Bjorn and, and Vikings did raid down into the Mediterranean, I don't see anything about the Vikings specifically being in this area or it's part of this conflict so this is a real conflict it's almost like they forced gumped it they kind of took this actual ish thing and then took vikings who actually did kind of spend some time in this area and then just combined it all which again is kind of what the whole show is so as they're so i had forgotten the reason why they go on the trip and it was because they wanted to meet the guy they wanted to meet ziadat a lot but also because euphemius hires him or hires Bjorn and Halfdan as his bodyguards from like while they're in like France or even or where, or where are they at when he does no, that no, no 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 when they're in Sicily oh yeah 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 yeah. I think about why they went to Sicily in the first place oh oh right well they were just going they were just raiding cruising yeah, around yeah yeah okay. looking for looking for stuff yeah so he hires them as hires Halfdan and Bjorn as his bodyguards and then like after Euphemius like disappears and is like is killed or whatever and like i i forget which one of them it is but they basically make a joke like we're not very good bodyguards oh (laughs) yeah if you literally eat your boss (laughs) i think you failed you should should probably be fired at that point right yeah but it's like while they're it's either like while they're eating him or right after uh senric basically realizes that cassia is the one who's kind of like pulling the strings between ziadat Allah and euphemius and she's the one who's kind of behind his murder and senric's like yeah she's super creepy and dangerous and so we should probably get out of here but then they end up getting arrested or like taken into custody or whatever and this was a scene in the show. I don't know if you remember this, but they're about to be, they're like about to be beheaded. Yeah. And then there's like a big sandstorm coming. Oh, that's right. Okay. And then they like make a epic escape. Yeah. They make an epic escape where they, yeah, they like fight off their executioners and then escape off into the sandstorm. Okay. So two, two other historic notes here. So one, Cassia, even though she kind of became an abbess and all that, she was apparently famed for her beauty and was kind of on the short list when she was younger to maybe be married to the emperor. 
and okay. you know they would kind of have you know whatever they <laughs> basically a slave auction you know but they kind of have the audition there or whatever where they kind of you know take turns in front of the emperor see who's going to impress him or whatever right and she basically made a like offensive joke or something or like basically like he said something and like she snapped back and like in an impressive way they kind of like put him on the spot and made him embarrassed or whatever so it was kind of decided that she was just too witty for her own good and he picked someone else to marry and then as far as the vikings and everything in this area this was kind of interesting and i had no idea about this so i mentioned that you know the takeover of the Muslims or by the Muslims of Sicily was, you know, triggered with Euphemius's revolt here in 826, took until 902, and then the Muslims controlled it for about a hundred years until the Normans took it over. Rollo's descendants. Really? Yeah. So okay. it was actually Rollo's descendants as they're kinda of going back and forth, you know, doing like crusade stuff and they're passing through the area. Yeah. The locals ask if they'll intervene and help kick the Muslims out. So that's kind of what happens. And like uh, William the Conqueror's father would have been one of the people passing through this region at the time. I don't know if he was directly helping, you know, kick the Muslims out of Sicily, but the Normans were. And then the Normans actually controlled it for a while after they did successfully huh. kick. Uh, so, yeah, I never thought about the Normans controlling Sicily. Yeah. Normally, we just think of, you know, the, well, obviously Normandy, but then right. like England. No, right. Yeah. But no, they actually took control of Sicily from uh, the Muslims in like the 11th century. So that was uh, news to me. <laughs> huh. Next thing I want to talk about for this episode is Iceland. Mm. This is the season where Floki discovers Iceland. Yeah. This I kind of remember a little bit in the show, just because it's, it's almost easier to keep it straight when it's like floki alone on an island i can kind of remember floki alone on an island <laughs> and he kind of thinks he's discovered asgard and the gods have sent him there and i do kind of remember all that stuff uh, from the show and then he goes back convinces people hey this place is awesome which not sure why because he apparently didn't find the farm did he find any farming farmable land the first time because they obviously like brings everybody back they're like this is just a barren wasteland what have you yeah, done not really i mean he he he's basically like just kind of in this kind of like rocky yeah mountainous terrain with like the waterfalls and the hot springs and right stuff. he's just convinced the gods will provide i guess right nothing farmable but he's also like going a little crazy kind of hallucinating the okay time. yeah yeah and like yeah he thinks he sees loki and he yeah he basically he thinks that like oh this is where the gods are basically he thinks he sailed off midgard he thinks oh, he basically went to like yes. a new a new world basically and yeah so that's why he's so he thinks that all these people are going to want to go there cuz it's yeah he thinks it's a like an actual new place basically right right this we mentioned the very first episode we were talking about vikings our very first our first episode on vikings for season one that the name of the character floki was taken from the actual guy who discovered iceland and that so when we get to yes. season five we are now actually kind of more to the historical floki although he didn't go alone so floki the real one did uh leave norway in 868 but he took his wife and his kids <laughs> and right. went out I mean, I don't know what year, but I think about 874 is considered the year when Iceland was discovered. But anyway, so, but, you know, took a while. Right. Well, because there were people at that time that had been to Iceland. Before, yes, right. Just not on purpose. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, there's even evidence of, like, I think you even said, like, some uh, 
Irish monks. That even some evidence of some Irish monks having been there before. Yeah, yeah Gaelic explorers and monks and stuff. And so, uh, jumping forward a little bit, but in the show when Floki goes into that cave and sees the like, he's like finds the cups and the big like cross altar thing. Mm. That's real. Like there were Irish like Gaelic monks oh. there before there were ever Vikings there. So that's. That's actually historically accurate. I, that's okay. Well, I mean, not that scene, but that kind of those kind of things being found by the Scandinavians right. would have been accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the Scandinavians showing up was one of the reasons why the monks stopped going there. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> there was like they were not uh, friendly, <laughs> greeted well. Right? Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, here's these Christians. Let's uh, throw spears at them or something. So that's that is kind of historically accurate that there were uh Christian relics, yeah. Christian relics and stuff there before before the Vikings were there. And interesting. In Floki's case, it it sounds like in the real life guy is more of an explorer where in the show He's kind of a lost soul, yeah. Yeah, well it's it's after his whole family dies, basically, and Ragnar's forsaken him and Ragnar's dead, yeah. Right. They're, after they're they're doing the great heathen army thing, so Ragnar's dead, his daughter died, and then he takes Helga, who's like his new wife. She goes on the raid with them to Spain and like kidnaps that girl who's like about their daughter's age. Yeah. And is like, oh, this is our our daughter now. And Floki's like uh, this is a bad idea. You kidnapped that girl. Yeah. 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 She's like, no, she's going to love us. And the girl's just like traumatized the entire time. Yes. And then at the first opportunity she gets when they're raiding in England as part of the great heathen army, the little girl kills Helga and then kills herself. Ugh. And so Floki's like, well, that was like all I had left in the world. So he builds himself a new boat and just, Basically, is just trying to die at sea. Yes, he's leaving it. He's leaving his fate to the gods. Yeah, right. I, I guess that's a better way to put it. Because the the very first thing that we see him do is like he finds a compass, the little the bowl with the. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a compass, but the bowl with a little spinny piece of wood and the uh, the sunstone. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, thank you, Bjorn," because like, oh, Bjorn hit it on the boat so that he would have a way to navigate. He's like, "Oh, thanks, Bjorn," and then just like throws it overboard. Oh wow! He's like not in, not interested. <laughs> but he does have in the show he has the raven in the cage which is historically accurate also attributed to the real Floki, yes and the real guy's name is i'm probably gonna butch this pronunciation but rafna floki which in old norse means raven floki and it's because he took these ravens with him on his trip and he would basically let them out of their cage and if they flew away, you know, they, they would like fly up into the air. And if they start flying in a certain direction and don't come back, they found land. Right. Yeah. But but it's like, oh, they, there's land over there. So if they fly off in a certain direction and don't come back, he's like, all right, that's the way that I'm going. Right. Whereas if they fly, just kind of fly off and then come back and land in your boat, you know that you're not anywhere close to land. And we see that exact thing happen in the show. He lets the raven go a couple times and it keeps coming back. And landing on his boat, but then one time it leaves and it doesn't come back. And then when he actually lands in Iceland, he sees the raven there on the shore. Okay, that's really cool because I didn't remember. I did not remember that from the show at all. So I did read that on his you know Wikipedia page, but I didn't realize I didn't remember it happening in the show. That's a a very cool detail yeah. that they, yeah they actually got right. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and it's also kind of a a nod to Odin's ravens. Right, o- Odin's always seen depicted surrounded by ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has two of them. Uh, Hugen and Munin 
are the name of uh, Odin's two ravens, and those names mean thought and memory. And so it's a pair of ravens that belong to Odin, and they fly all throughout the realms, and they basically are like Odin's... uh, They're like Odin's predator drones. (laughs) (laughs) They like fly around and just like gather information and come back to Odin and tell him stuff that's going on throughout the realms. Oh, wow. His... uh, It's it's his, his, his little... His little a little bird told him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So Iceland itself, as kind of an entity, I did. I just kind of thought this was interesting, and, and this is maybe some people I was peripherally uh, aware of this before. So in 930, so not long after all of this, you know, Floki and all his stuff in the ninth century. In 930, early 10th century, they established their parliament called the Allthing. Because Scandinavian meetings that about kind of political stuff and meet were, were called things. And so the all thing yeah. was Iceland's established in 1930. That is still their parliament today. I don't know if it's called the all thing per se, but it's that's still their parliament. They, they've had a, this, oh, that's cool. the same parliament since 930. So it's the oldest still running parliament in the world because it's well well over a thousand years old yeah like we think of you know like british parliament as being like oh it was really old right it's a really old parliament and this predates it right by a lot yes hundreds of years yes and and, and other people have like oh similar things but apparently it's like nope this is this it's the same body you could just kind of keep tracing it back it's yeah and then so uh ireland was independent at first and then uh, with my girl Margaret, I don't know if I've talked to her, talked about her much on, on this podcast, but uh, when they unite, when she united the Kalmar Union, Iceland was kind of folded into that because it was under mm-hmm. Norwegian control. And then it was under when the Kalmar Union split up and ended up under Danish control until World War One when it became uh, independent again. And during World War Two, I can't believe I had never heard this. In World War Two, the United Kingdom invaded and took over Iceland yes. as a strategic move just to keep the Germans from doing it. So they like they were yes. they were completely chill and didn't want to actually disrupt way of life or anything about that. They just right. wanted to keep the Germans off. So they basically invaded it so they could basically yes. then set up and keep the Germans off it. Yeah. I had never heard that. I thought that was crazy. Did did you watch the Johnny Harris video? No, about no. It? I just I just read it real quick online. So like Within the last couple of weeks, Johnny Harris on YouTube made a video about that exact thing. Oh, really? And it is super interesting. I guess, like, so it's a big, it, it, well, I, it would have been a big strategic place if Germany would have been able to take it over because it's, like, right between yeah. the United States and the UK. And also, Ava Braun, Hitler's girlfriend, was, like, obsessed with Iceland, <laughs> just liked, you know, vacationing there and stuff. But yeah, one of the things that was interesting in that video that he talks about is the fact that at the time, Iceland had no military. Oh. So these British warships show up on their shores with the Royal Marines, and they're greeted by the, just, like, cops who were like, What's up, um, dude? What are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're, don't worry, like, we're invading you, but it's, like, for our own good and your own good. Uh, We promise we'll be, like, super chill about it. And they're like... Because they were neutral during World War II. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. And they're like, um, okay... Like, we can't stop you, but screw you, but all right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess there there were a lot of, like, uh, infrastructure projects and stuff that the British did during that time that were... Helpful. Uh, like, building roads and, and stuff that were, yeah, that were helpful, but also at the same time, it was it's, like, a lot of 
Icelandic people feel really conflicted about that time in their history because like, well, we did get a lot of like material improvements to our country during that time, but also our autonomy was like completely taken away from us by the British. But also, I guess that's better than being Nazi occupied. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of dirty. It's kind of dirty. But yeah, it's a weird, a weird thing. But yeah, I, I would definitely recommend watching that video. It is it is super interesting to see. It's a yeah, really weird story about an invasion that's like also just was almost beneficial to the country and not I don't know. It it was strange. Yeah, that's crazy. And then uh the last thing I was going to mention here and then we could probably kick it to the next uh next episode. Kettle who kind of goes with Floki and seems cool at first but definitely kind of, you know, uh, throughout season 5 and season 6 kind of becomes uh, a little more unsavory. Yeah. He is based on a real person, but I, I think we'll talk about him more in okay. season six. But I did want to just mention that that is actually also based on a actual historical figure. Cool. Oh, what one more thing about Iceland that's kind of <laughs> interesting. There were no, like, indigenous people to Iceland. Like, when the Vikings showed up... It was uninhabited, right, right. Until the ninth century, it was an uninhabited island, yes. Like I said, there was the the priests and stuff there too, but they weren't they weren't from there. They were from Ireland and sailed up there. Like Iceland was, uh, yeah, it was completely completely uninhabited when the priests and the Vikings started started going there. Yes, which I mean, all you think about it, do it kind of just stems to the whole you know humans coming out of Africa and slowly working their way into Asia, Northern Europe, and it, it just took that long it's it's the whole timeline of history is kind of interesting so you think about you know agriculture going back ten thousand years and then the kind of the spread of course humans would have been spread well well before that but yeah iceland was just kind of left alone until about 1100 years ago when finally humans decided to live there right and you think about like in the pacific people had been living there for like thousands of years on those little islands that are out in the middle of nowhere there's a few islands though that were uninhabited though until right right but i mean it's not like humans didn't have the capacity to settle far-flung islands in the middle of nowhere. It's just that, like, Iceland was kind of so far away from where humans originated that it was yes. it just took that long for people to finally get there. Yeah, I was just thinking if memory serves, though, I'm pretty sure New Zealand was settled, was uninhabited until well after Iceland, though, too. But, yeah, same kind of thing. Oh, really? Even even by, the like, the Maori? Yeah, I'm pretty... I- I'd have to double check, but I feel like when we were talking about Whale Rider and doing our stuff on the Maori, they'd only been there a few hundred years before the British showed up. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess because they, they did have like the, the yeah, they have the, like the legend of that king who sailed from somewhere else. Right. Or, you know, and then ended up in New Zealand. And I think, I'm pretty sure that was just like 300 years before uh, the British showed up again. Oh, wow. That's kind of from memory, but I, yeah, so it's. It's remarkable, I guess, how late we were getting to some some places. Yeah. But still kind of have eventually made it everywhere, I guess. Yeah. So in the show, they call it Iceland, or I, for, I think it's Floki. Actually, it might be Chettle or Kettle, the flat nose. Yeah. Uh, says that they called it Iceland, not because it was like icy, but because during the winter, there would be these big ice flows that would develop in the bay or wherever they were at. In the out in the water, and that's why they called it Iceland. That looks pretty accurate. Yeah, supposedly the you know the real life Floki just kind of found a you know giant fjord that was all completely frozen over and full of ice, uh-huh. and so it was Iceland. And yeah, it, it, I think it is just that simple, <laughs> right? Which makes it sound like a frozen wasteland, right? Which right. is not at all 
how Iceland actually. I mean, it's it's cold there, and definitely has some harsh, harsh, <laughs> uh, harsh uh, terrain. But there's also they can yeah. still li- they can still live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's you know there's a lot of cool stuff. Have you have you been to Iceland? I've never been to Iceland. I have I have not. It was on the possibility to go to last summer, but I, I was able to go to some other places instead. But it's it's definitely it's definitely on the list. Yeah. So yes, I think that's uh, that'll be good for part one of season five here. So uh, stay tuned, and we will continue talking about season five of the show Vikings next time. <laughs>